Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, the final hours here of the Tuesday edition. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network. Hutton and Withrow with you. One of the bigger stories going into the NFL offseason yet again is the future for Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. We await Rodgers' reaction from the darkness retreat that we've all been discussing and trying to figure out what it's all about and the visions, Chad, that may come of that. For should, Rogers. should we do a show just completely in darkness <laughs> and just tack on enough of those shows in a row to equal four days and see what happens to us? We could try. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll hallucinate as Some well. Some that watch the show may prefer complete darkness <laughs> on at least Possibly. one half of this desk. Um, Ryan Wood joins us. From, he's the Packers beat writer for USA Today. And Ryan, thank you for the time. I think a lot of the a lot of the perspective has been from that of Aaron Rodgers. What is Aaron Rodgers going to decide? instead of what's Green Bay and the organization thinking, as yet again, they're trying to figure out the future at quarterback in an offseason where, I mean, they gave him a big bump last year. What do you think the perspective is from the front office right now? Well, first of all, guys, I just have to say I'm happy to be sitting in the light, although it's Green Bay in February, so we only see (laughs) the sun for like five minutes at a time, you know, and then it goes away. But no, Aaron Rodgers said multiple times late in the season, that it's got to be a mutual decision. And we'd never heard that before. We never heard Aaron Rodgers say, you know, the Packers got to want me back too. And even as, as late as right after the Detroit Lions loss in the finale, he spent a lot of time talking about, you know, it'd be slightly egotistical of me if I was to think that it's a done deal that the Packers want me back with Jordan Love having waited for three seasons. So that gives us a different type of feel as far as this offseason because it is much more than it ever has been. Not just does Aaron Rodgers want to be back wearing the G on his helmet, but do the Packers want him back as well? Was this always a, a one-year deal? Do you get that sense that the, based on the way he treated and answering those questions at the end of the season? You know, back in July when the season was about to start and he was talking about the extension – he said he definitely thought that he would finish his career with the Packers after signing this past extension. Now, he referred to it as kind of a one plus a one yeah. plus another. So it, he made it very clear at the onset after signing the extension last March that, yes, this, this is going to be a yearly thing. I mean, this is it's so eerily reminiscent to the, the end of the Brett Favre era where it was year after year, like Groundhog's Day, fitting since you know Aaron Rodgers has spent four days in darkness <laughs> is going to try to see his shadow now. But it's it's going to be that way whether he's back in Green Bay for 2023 or, or not. The next offseason is going to be the same thing. So uh, it's been a bit of a decline in, in certitude that Aaron Rodgers is going to be back because he said he definitely sees himself finishing his career with the Packers and now is definitely not saying that. But whatever the case may be, it's a, a spring and offseason of a certainty every year that he's here from now on. Ryan Wood with us, uh, Packers beat writer for USA Today. Let's assume that he emerges from the cave or the, the yurt or the tent and says, uh, 
I want to stay in Green Bay. Packers are my team. I saw the vision. What, what would happen at that point if he put the Packers on the spot like that? We don't know. That's the great mystery. The Packers are being very tight-lipped, mm. as is their way with this. But the murmurs that you do hear, a trade is a very real possibility this offseason. You're, you're, the things that I've heard from people around the organization is that they have a lot of confidence in Jordan Love. Some of this is kind of contradictory because let's, let's play the scenario out. If they have a lot of confidence in Jordan Love, why not play Jordan Love when Aaron Rodgers broke his thumb on his throwing hand week five against the Giants? Why not? You know, the, the only thing that thumb needed was rest and to heal. If you have a lot of confidence in Jordan Love, why, why not trot him out there and, and see what he can do? With that said, in the 26 snaps that Jordan Love did get last year, he looked like a different quarterback. He was crisp. He was on time. He was accurate. He was athletic in a way that we just hadn't seen in his first two years. So you can see even, albeit a very small sample size, that, that there's some reason to believe that there's upside there. Maybe he's drafted in the first round for a reason. Do the Packers, are, are they open to trading Aaron Rodgers? Certainly the, the key word being open, yes. I mean, th this is something that they're mulling in their front office. Does that mean they will? That's what we have to see. What's Aaron Rodgers' relationship like with media in Green Bay with the Packers that covers that team? It's been just fine over the years. I've never had an issue with Aaron Rodgers. In fact, he's always been very expansive and trying to answer questions thoughtfully. And Wednesdays is when he speaks in Green Bay. And it's always – a day that you know you're going to get some substantive material out of whatever he has to say. Now, the, the, the national attention that, that he gets from time to time, the, the weekly appearances on Pat McAfee show, that's nothing but Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey. I mean, that, that is a complete circus, and it's, it, it can go all over the place at times. But he, he is a thoughtful guy. There's no question about that. Uh, even if he's not always correct, he's, he's someone that, that puts a, a great deal of intention to everything he says and everything he does. D does media coverage ever affect his play? I, I asked that because Tiki Barber recently said that he's you know too sensitive, basically, for New York media if he goes there and what he says is going to get attacked and that's not going to be a good fit for him. I completely disagree because I think if you're the quarterback of the Packers, you're covered by everyone nationally anyways. And I know there's more media in New York than Green Bay, but from your dealings with him, do you feel like he's ever affected by media coverage? And does that coverage affect his play in any way? And, and, and let's, anything, let's also look at that if he goes to New York, how that would look. If anything, historically, it's had a very positive effect for him. When he is doubted, when he is counted out, historically, he responds. You make Aaron Rodgers angry, and you don't want to be the team on the schedule playing them the next week. What affects his play more than anything at this point is that he's going into his age 40 season. He's a guy that had three different injuries last year. He's had two seasons in his career truncated by broken collarbones, one on each shoulder. He, he's an aging quarterback, and the mobility at this point is pretty much gone. I mean, he just had his first season ever with fewer than 100 rushing yards. There was a time that you never would have imagined that Aaron Rodgers would have hit 100 yards. He did it in 17 games. He actually played an, an extra game this season because last year, of course, he, he missed a game because of the, the COVID-19 situation. So at this point, this is not Aaron Rodgers circa 2011. This is a different guy. The media coverage, does that affect it? 
I think that's ancillary at best. I, I think what affects it is Father Time and the fact that Father Time is undefeated. Ryan Wood, our guest, he covers the Packers for USA Today. What did the parameters of a trade for Aaron Rodgers look like? I'm sure that's been a big discussion point uh, in, in your coverage and on talk radio like this. And I, I say that because the parameters, it seems, AFC team, what do they need in return? And how much does Rodgers have in just saying, yeah, I'm going there, trade me here? I think the AFC team qualifier is really interesting because if you're trading Aaron Rodgers and starting with Jordan Love in 2023, you're not winning a Super Bowl in 2023. That's off the table. Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback. He was not ready to win a Super Bowl in 2008, his first year starting. So from a priority standpoint for the Packers, it's got to be less about conference and more about what's the best asset value return that you can get. What's, what's the best, what's the most assets you can get to start this reload and this rebuild that they are going to have to, to go on with a, a new starting quarterback and look at it more from a two to three year window than, than what is 2023 look like? Because they're, they're not contending with Jordan Love in 2023, even, even really in the best case scenario. So I, I find that interesting. With that said, what are the teams you hear from? The, the, the Jets, as we know, have, have contacted the Packers. They're not the only ones. And, and the other teams that are it, the favorites to land Aaron Rodgers are the Raiders, the Titans. I mean, we're, we're talking about a lot of AFC teams. If the Raiders sent two first-round picks and Darren Waller, Packers would probably jump all over that tomorrow. And a, a part of that, too, it's not just going to be picks. The Packers are very interested in players and, and receiving some, some key pieces that are ready-made for their roster right now to try to accelerate this rebuild. So a package, a best package probably looks like some combination of picks and players. How much do you think he wants to play with Devontae Adams again? Oh, I don't. I, why wouldn't he? Right. I mean, you saw the the what what the absence of Devontae Adams meant in 2022, and how miserable he looked from afar when he was on the field without 17 to throw to all the time. So you know they, they maintain this is critical. They they maintain a very close relationship even after the trade. Aaron Rodgers said that he helped facilitate the trade when Devontae Adams reached out. Uh, they've posted on their Instagram and their social media. They're still chummy. And on the field, you know exactly what they can do together. So I, I have no question that he would welcome that situation. Does that organization hate his appearances on McAfee, or do they not care at this point? I don't know how you can. And, and the other thing that if you're the Packers and you have Aaron Rodgers at a, a pro-am golf tournament and, and he's, he's openly flirting with other fr- fan bases while, while under contract and just soaking in the attention when you just paid this guy the richest deal in NFL history a year ago to come back and, and, and not only that, but internally have ceded so much power to a player. And, and that's very much against the Packer way. The, the Packers have always been a dictatorship coming out of that GM spot, which is one of the reasons they've been so successful for a very, very long time. And they, they've ceded that power to Aaron Rodgers. So all the things that they've done, how, how does it not make you cringe a little bit with, with some of the, the, the attention-seeking that Aaron Rodgers uh, has shown uh, over the years and, and especially of late? So, uh, you know, it's, uh, they'll never say that. The Packers have been over backwards to say nothing but the right thing with Aaron Rodgers ever since the, the summer of 2021 uh, when that rift was created be him, be, between him and the, the organization, primarily Brian, Brian Gutekinds. But 
no, no question that internally, I mean, it, it's, it's got to make you cringe. Ryan, how legit is the Nathaniel Hackett lure that the Broncos apparently tried last year within an hour? They, the trade was official for Russell Wilson after Rodgers announced he was staying. And then, of course, he's now the offensive coordinator for the New York Jets. Well, from Aaron Rodgers' standpoint, it's definitely legit because as much as we know that he'd love to play with Devontae Adams again, Aaron Rodgers was nothing but glowing about Nathaniel Hackett during his few seasons here as offensive coordinator. The, from the gold zone, which is what Nathaniel Hackett calls the, the red zone, to the, his ability to package ideas and game plans creatively in, in, in team meetings and offensive meetings. He, he was a big fan of Nathaniel Hackett. So just like on, on the surface, there's no question he'd like to be reunited throwing passes against Devontae Adams. No question that he would have no issue with, with having Nathaniel Hackett in his headset again. Do you think there's a wild card team that no one's throwing out there? There always is, right? I mean, any time there's a situation like this, there's going to be teams that you don't know. And and so much of this is who who makes sense on paper. I mean, who needs a quarterback? Who might be motivated to not only take on Aaron Rodgers, but the circus that can involve Aaron Rodgers from time to time. But, you know, the the bottom line is that he is a four-time MVP. And all it takes is one team to think, yeah, last year was bad. It was his worst season, but he's Aaron Rodgers. We can fix Aaron Rodgers. We're the team to do that. It only takes one team to, to be enticed by that. So no question, there's, there's going to be more, more teams involved than what we're, we all know of. Well, and one follow-up on what you just said, is he in the mindset right now to go and fix someone else from a leadership perspective? Because if Aaron Rodgers walks into the Jets locker room, let's say, that's a standard attention moment for those young teammates of his that here's a first ballot Hall of Famer coming in. But is, do you feel like he's in a place where he's going to go somewhere new and want to lead young guys? Well, that's a big part of this, too. It's not just learning potentially a new playbook, but being in a new culture as someone who entering his age 40 season is going to be much, much older than, than many of the teammates that he's around and being able to immerse himself socially and, and chemistry-wise with a, a new group that are in an entirely different age demographic. And that's something that is, just as it was with Brett Favre late in his career with Green Bay, there, there's been an increasing divide between Aaron Rodgers socially with, he's, he's got his guys, Randall Cobb, Mercedes Lewis, David Bakhtiari, those are his guys. And they're his guys for a reason because he has a lot of chemistry and, and, and institutional social involvement built up with them, but they're, they're all older too. I mean, the, the older guys. So that, that is a fascinating part of that. We, that we, we just don't know. What does the research for a darkness retreat look like as you try to figure out what he was doing and what all that entails? Man, I had so many questions. Like, let's let's just go to the practicality of the matter. Like, how, how do you how do you not you know you're eating? How do you not make a mess on yourself? Use the restroom. Right. I have never before in my life, proudly until now, considered how another man wipes. But now, I mean, you're in the dark. <laughs> yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. It, it, right. Then you got it. You got to wonder. So these are all important days. questions. Potentially four days of that too. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, Four days. Do, do, do you use the bath right, right after you use the restroom? Or is that like, there's all kinds of just, just things that in my career, I never thought that I'd even have to consider. And um, 
four days of darkness. It's it's not. I don't know where you guys stand on that, but I, I can't imagine myself being surrounded by nothing but pitch black dark. Yeah, for four days. I, I'm pretty sure that that would actually make me go crazy. I, I said I told Chad I I would be like if he was like, hey, you want to follow along and actually cover me doing this? I would love it. I don't think I I would tap out though before he would. Absolutely. Um, Man, this is so, this is so made for the Twitter era too. You just have yeah. like like oh yeah. I guess the, I guess the cell phone light wouldn't be conducive to pitch black, but just have live <laughs> tweets hour by hour well, of what is pitch black like. Rogers did describe it to McAfee saying you're given a chance to acclimate in the light to know where your things are and the mm-hmm. bathroom is, and then they shut the lights off, and then you're in the darkness. And I'm thinking now if I'm in my house, I could navigate <laughs> pitch black and feel my way out and kind of know where things are. Yeah. But you're telling me you're going to give me an hour in a completely strange place to figure out exactly hey, th- where everything is? I mean, I am walking into show. everything. I'm just walking straight this- out with my arms like this, everywhere I go, this trying is where, not to faceplant. This is where Aaron Rodgers' photographic memory That's is right. really, really yeah. important. Not, you know, maybe the toilet is like a safety, and, and the bathtub's like a blitzing linebacker, and he just kind of goes into that mode. Imagine the squinty eyes of Aaron Rodgers as he emerges from. This the light, the light. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing a sheet. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Wood uh, has it's been saying our guest. Packers. Packers was the vision. <laughs> and I'm, I'm coming staying. back. I'm staying. I'm not leaving. Hey. Uh, yeah, is the shadow in a G or is it not in a G? Yeah. That's the real question. Yeah, there you go. What, uh, what color smoke are we looking for that's gonna come out of this house to know <laughs> to know what team he's decided on? Man, you've had a, a whirlwind of coverage over the last uh, several off seasons with all this. Thank you for the thank you for the time and the perspective. And I'm sure we'll be catching up as the the Packers make up their mind as well as Rogers. Absolutely, guys. Anytime. Yeah, appreciate it. At by Ryan Wood is how you can follow Ryan on social. Again, Packers beat writer for USA Today. We'll switch gears, Chad. Coming up, SEC hoops headlines. Good friend of the show, Dane Bradshaw, will join us. We'll. Give the headline in the SEC today, which is involving Alabama basketball. We'll ask him about that. And, I mean, at the top, it's a free-for-all right now in the Southeastern Conference and what we could see come tournament time. Dane Bradshaw joins us next on OutKick 360. It is almost... Tournament time. Mount Kick 360 rolls on. Sixth and Peabody are location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. And Chad, friend of the show, Dane Bradshaw of SEC Network. He joins us. Former Vol, uh, SEC Network analyst, always delivers for us. Dane, I'm looking on Twitter right now at what's trending. And number one trending topic is Ukraine. Number two trending topic is Nate Oates. Number three trending topic is Brandon Miller. Number four trending topic is Tuscaloosa. Um, this is not a great story for Alabama basketball, and I, and I don't say that lightly. This is obviously terrible news. Um, this is something that's been going on throughout the season, as we know with the Darius Miles story. It's a difficult one to cover, uh, but when you see this news today, what, what are your immediate thoughts about what's gone on at Alabama this season with a great basketball team that may be the best in the country right now? Yeah, well, pro- probably like a lot of you guys um, – First thought was, how do we not know this detail sooner? Yep. Um, and then you you get the quote from Nate Oates, who, who I really like a lot. I have a lot of respect for. Um, if anything, people really think it's refreshing because he, he's not scripted, but that can get him in trouble at times because he kind of just shoots from the hip a little bit with his uh, comments. So he, when he says wrong place, wrong time, maybe 
it's not quite that simple. Um, but I just so happened to be listening to the Feinbaum show here and they had the Alabama reporter, um, forgive me for forgetting her, her name, but, um, that was covering the case with for al.com. And with that hearing today, and from what I learned was it, it wasn't quite as simple as what I thought either. There, uh, excuse me, Brandon Miller dropped miles and, and the shooter off at the club. He didn't want to go in because the line was too long. Gets a text later that's from Darius Miles says, bring me, bring me my heat, and, you know, of course, with, with his gun. And so he circles back and does it. Now, it's – did they obviously try to prove or I'm sure they asked questions like, did you know why you were bringing the gun back? But if I'm a teammate, you would like to think you're not in a car with somebody with a gun. But if he's – if it's registered on him, he has a gun, he has it. And then when they say, hey, man, can you swing back and, and bring me my gun? It's not as if he's saying, so I can go kill somebody or, hey, let's go get this, you know, or whatever. And so it's to me, I, I can, you know, I, I'm open to hearing more details about it and, and allowing Brandon Miller's side of the story to be told on this, as opposed to him just bringing the gun and saying, here, Y- y'all go kill somebody because it doesn't sound like that was the case either. Because if you're Brandon Miller, maybe it's, well, what if I didn't go return Darius Miles guns that he owns and all of a sudden my teammate Darius Miles gets killed because he can't defend himself with a gun. And so uh, again, I'm not defending the situation. I'm not trying to be naive or oblivious, but by no means is my, you know, I'm learning this at the same time as you guys are. I just, like I said, finished watching the show. So I've got no interest in trying to see the, the star players stay on the court. This is much bigger than basketball. And, and certainly the most important thing is, is the victim involved and and, um, and her child. Uh, but I, I do think that, you know, Brandon Miller's side deserves to be told in this as opposed to, you know, it just being like, oh, my gosh, he, he's, you know, he's an accomplice. But, you know, by law, apparently he was not. Well, I think they're going to have to tell his side of it now because the questions are going to come pouring in. And based on what Nate Oates has said, Dane, they knew about this January 15th. So, I mean, it's February 21st. Um, so the details have been there. We're learning about it through the preliminary hearing today, through testimony of law enforcement. And, you know, I, I think the details either from Miller or from Nate Oates need to be exactly what they knew and why everybody's okay with how it went down from Miller's perspective. Yeah. And I think you guys would agree from a PR standpoint. And again, I'd love to hear Nate outside the chancellor, the AD, like if you know that this is going to come out and these names are going to get revealed at the hearing, maybe they didn't know what the hearing date was going to be. And they thought the season would pass. I don't know. I'm not going to mm-hmm. assume the worst on them. But just from a clear PR standpoint, you know, don't you kind of try to get ahead of this a little bit that says, hey, you know, uh, he and maybe another teammate were there that night and we have done our due diligence on the situation. We've investigated it and, and you know, the uh, cooperated with police and they don't um, they've not been charged with anything, even though they were present there that night. And we won't have any further comment like then it's not as big of a shock to everybody that wait, like they were there. And so to, I don't know that that's my thought. Do you guys agree? I feel like you can get ahead of it a little bit, right? Sure. Uh, absolutely. Well, at least be prepared for the question. You know, like, you yeah. know, this hearing's happening, you know, you know, the facts I'm assuming of the case 
and I'm reading it in print and not read, I'm not seeing his body language, but just the words in print come across as defensive. You know, I can't be there with them after practicing games at all times. And, you know, they guys are going to go out and they haven't done anything wrong. And I'm just, I'm thinking you've got to start with the seriousness of the situation and talk about the victim and sort of go from there. It's like now all that out there, Brandon didn't know what was going on. You know, maybe he should have thought twice about just giving him his possession back, but he didn't. He's a young guy. He's learned from it. There's so many ways he could have done this that would have come across better. Dane, I just think the response from Oates makes this worse on Brandon Miller and everyone, and now it's kind of forced probably a second statement from the university and from them at some point, right? Yeah, I think there will be, and I agree. that There should have been a more prepared statement, and that, that's another thing, too, of uh, you know, not, not to uh, make light of it at by any means, but you know, in basketball, we talk about know your personnel, right? You got to know guys' strengths and weaknesses. And if you're an AD or a chancellor at Alabama, you know that Nate Oates, as great and down-to-earth as he can be in front of people, he's loose-lipped. So in a serious manner like this, doesn't that maybe tell you like, hey, let's make sure we put some guardrails on this to make sure we protect him in this situation as well as our university to, to have a more prepared statement. So you, as opposed to, look, if you have a coach that – is is going to give a one word answer or is going to have his own prepared, you know, that you're like, hey, he, he's got it. We don't have to worry about it. But in this case, uh, you know, they, they certainly showed up. And I, I'd be surprised if there, there wasn't a, another statement that comes out because this uh, it, it is. I mean, it's it, I think it's shocking to everybody. I, I just. You know, you guys have covered sports more in depth and longer than I have. But football, basketball, like this deep into a season for the, you know, let's just number one, number two in the country, whatever, top team in the nation, top player on the top team in the nation, being involved in something like this, this late in the season. I I just, I can't recall a, a comp to this. Dane Bradshaw with us. What do you make of the, of how they've handled it to this point on the court, given everything that's gone on and, the challenges they'll now face moving forward as the SEC tournament and NCAA tournament are are on the horizon. And this is under the assumption that they're moving forward with exactly what Nate Oates said. They're not having any discipline whatsoever. Oh yeah. On the court, I think they've, they've handled it extremely well. Um, Darius miles while he was a member of the team. um, He he was kind of in and out and taking leave of absence, you know, hurt here and there. So like it, it wasn't from an on the court chemistry standpoint, while it was a huge distraction, but on the court, that can be your release and therapeutic to everybody. And so they, they've, they've done a phenomenal job just performing as a team. Um, and, you know, look, those guys inside the locker room certainly knew this story before any of us did, you, you know, they talk, it's not like anybody on the team is just now finding out for the first time that Brandon Miller was there. And so, to in in one vein, you say, look, they've already kind of been playing through this, but now with the media attention and scrutiny and everything that's going to come with it, it just brings a whole another set of distractions. And I will say this: you might not like Nate Oates's comments. I do trust Nate Oates and keeping his team focused on the task at hand and blocking out the outside noise. I, I think he's got his locker room, and I, um, I honestly, I'd, I'd be surprised if if they dipped it all on the court if they play their entire roster as we know it today. 
So Tennessee and Texas A&M tonight. Now big. Now it's uh, two ranked teams. Crazy to see that there's still some That's questions. That's what I about. thought I was coming on to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. We I wanted... was just coming in to talk Tennessee hoops. <laughs> well, you, we, Dane, we know that you're also you have extensive experience as a courtroom reporter, so we wanted to bring you on and you know talk about that as well. You watch a lot of court TV, I'm sure. Right. Um, but no, A and M hosting Tennessee tonight. It, two ranked teams. Now that A&M's the top 25, but still question marks about A&M's resume for the NCAA tournament, which is crazy considering they only have two SEC losses and they may win the outright SEC championship this regular season. They're one, they're right there with Alabama right now, one game behind them and still have a game left against them. What is it about Buzz Williams coach teams and specifically this A&M group to where now two years in a row We've seen it to a, a lesser extent this year in terms of how late it happened a year ago to get hot, but they start out so bad. They have a bad early season schedule. They can't beat some teams they should absolutely beat, and then they get red hot. Yeah, and, and last year it was a little too little, too late. This year they, they got things fixed much quicker. I mean, it was right after Christmas time where they all took a holiday break and came back with a new mindset. They tweaked some lineups. Um, they figured out their identity, but, but I had them earlier in the year. And let me tell you, A&M was one of the most um, hyped up teams because they were bringing so many guys back from last year. Yes, they lost one of their best scores in Q Jackson, but with all their returnees and the transfer guys, it was like, this is their year. And um, I'm sure you guys weren't watching, but I had them at the Myrtle Beach Invitational in one of those uh, early season tournaments. You are correct. I was not you. watching that one. I watched a lot of early season they, basketball. Didn't catch that one. Sorry. That's right. They they were uh, no nobody else was either. But they <laughs> but I tell you what they um they they look pitiful and they they were the biggest disappointment in the SEC in non conference, and they've been the best surprise in the SEC come conference play. And so you, you credit Buzz Williams for keeping his locker room. Um, and, and all the changes and adjustments they've made, but, uh, yeah, it is, you know, when people say, how the heck are they not, you know, a, a high seed and who could even fathom them being on the bubble? Well, look, they, they, you know, they, they lost some tough games early on. They lost to teams like Wofford, uh, but there's no question they're an NCAA tournament team now. And, uh, if anything, um, they'll be an extremely dangerous one because let's say they get a seven seed or whatever it is, man, anybody that's been watching basketball knows. They're, they're playing more like a three, four seed than they are seven, but body work is going to make them in a good position to upset a higher seed. I think even when Tennessee was blowing out Texas and getting to number two in the country, it's easy for people on the outside that watch the program to say, well, it's a Rick Barnes coach team, so they'll disappoint in the NCAA tournament. doesn't matter how good they are right now. They're going to disappoint. But now that they've struggled a little bit, Dane, I find myself still watching the team and thinking – similar thoughts to when they were playing really well that I don't really know how much has changed in terms of expectation. It's a team that's going to play great defense most nights, but that could struggle to score. And if they struggle to score, they could lose in the first round or they could piece three or four great games together like we've seen this season, and they could be in the Final Four. Has, has anything changed in your mind over the course of this year with this group, given they've been down the two starters this last stretch where they've been losing some games. Yeah, they, they, they do need to get healthy. Uh, I think when you look at back to last year, when they would have those off shooting nights, a big point of emphasis for Rick Barnes coming into this season was we've got to be able to play inside out when the shots aren't falling. We've got to be able to hit the high post, have a guy that we can dump it down to on the block. And to me, 
that's been more disappointing from an inconsistency standpoint than the shooting is just not knowing is Kamwa going to be your guy? Is Plavsic going to be your guy? And, and Awaka comes in. And when Awaka comes in, I like him, but I'm almost mad because that means one of the veteran guys isn't performing the way you need them to, right? <laughs> and so, um, and that that's, you know, what Rick Barnes said, look, we got to be able to, you know, have more of a paint presence. But, but you're spot on. Could you look at the top 10 right now? I mean, is Tennessee scared of Alabama? No. Kansas? No. I mean, Virginia, you know, they barely beat uh, Notre Dame, I believe it was, the other night. So everybody's vulnerable up there. So you, as a Tennessee fan, you try to remain, remain optimistic and say, we can beat any of those teams ranked ahead of us. But then you look behind you and say, you know what, not only can 12 through 25 beat us, but so can 26 through 50. You know, we, we've been upset by some uh, um, unranked teams. And so, and, you know, the, the defense does travel, though. But I, I tell you what's been interesting, early on in, in conference play, they didn't play down to their competition. I mean, they were smacking teams. And if you weren't clearly a really good team that could hang with them, then you were getting beat by 20-plus. And, and they've, they've lost that edge a little bit. Some of that's just the depth of the conference play and teams kind of having more film and all that stuff. Um, but this used to be a team this year that you thought, hey, they're going to beat the teams they're supposed to beat and win a couple that they're not supposed to. And that's why they're going to get a one or two seed. But now they're starting to lose those Florida, Vanderbilt, th- those sort of games. And and as you and I were texting, the the dreaded 4-5 seed just, just end this regular season fast so they can hang on to this 2-3 seed. Kentucky got a big one last weekend over Tennessee. Where do you put Kentucky right now on the, the tournament bubble, Dane? Yeah, uh, they'll be on the right side of the bubble. They'll make the tournament. What's really helped them is um, for fans maybe not as familiar with with these quad one wins. Like they were one and seven against quad one teams, but then as as a couple of those teams like Texas A and M, for example, I believe Arkansas also. Those were like at the time considered quad two. But the better those teams have done, they've now become like a, a better quality win. So I believe Kentucky now is four and seven against quad one teams when. And yeah, and they've won an extra game, but it's more about the teams they already beat doing better <laughs> and paying it off for them. And so uh, that that's helped them behind the scenes, so to speak. And um, you know, they're they're fixing some things defensively. That like I think long term, big picture, there's still going to be a lot of criticism. People still aren't going to love Coach Calipari's offense. They're tired of hearing about next year's recruiting classes. Um, they, they've got Oscar Sheway, National Player of the Year, and people are wondering why why is he not performing better. And so those questions will still be there, but I think you, you got to car- try to compartmentalize a little bit if you're Kentucky and just say, you know what, let's just rally around this team that has been through a lot this year. They haven't given up, and if they can make the tournament, they'll be a really dangerous eight nine seed and see if they can't uh, make a run. I believe it was 2014 where they ended up being a really good nine seed and uh, stealing that that one seed spot of Wichita State at the time and um, got themselves uh, to the Final Four. So, Dane, two teams that I want to believe in because of their head coach and their style are Auburn and Arkansas. But I don't know what to think of either team right now. Arkansas got hot just like they did a year ago after a, a slow start, cooled off a little bit here. What do you make of both of those teams? And if you're taking one to maybe do some damage come tournament time, which team is it? Uh, Arkansas has got the most upside. I, I think they'll have the, the higher seed. They're the more talented team. Um, 
they uh you know they, they've got great size with um black at point guard who's been phenomenal a freshman but they've got nick smith this was a guy that was the most heralded freshman in the country that didn't start the season he was having knee management issues plays for a few games and plays really well he was a sec player of the week um but then goes back out with the knee and it was a really weird situation the kid you know things that wouldn't have happened 10 years ago but he goes out to la where apparently that's where uh, you know the the agent is or whatever where he's getting third party advice and that's where he's working on his knee and everybody outside the program is saying there's no way that kid's coming back you know they're all in his ear saying come on man two yeah. more months and you and you'll be a projected lottery pick anyway you don't for what and you step certainly thought hey if he's not back by february he's not coming back but he comes back to campus um and he starts working on his knee and then you start hearing Thought, uh, rumors about him practicing and all that, and, and and now he's back. And so this kid has huge upside. If you look up his stats right now, nothing's going to jump out to you. But when you watch the game, you will see that, wow, this is a guy that can take over a game that might give you that 20 to 30 or big-time night on a you know to advance you to a Sweet 16. So um, he, he really is. He, he is a weekend difference maker for Arkansas. They could uh, make the tournament and be gone in that first weekend. But with Nick Smith healthy, and right now they're they're having to backtrack a little bit because putting him into the lineup when they've been so used to playing without him, it, it comes with some a little bit of growing pains and adjustment. But it, it's worth it. You know, the end will justify the means because he's a guy that can get you to the next weekend. Could be a wide open SEC tournament, Dane. It'll be a blast. Man, it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it, it aesthetically it has not been the most pleasing basketball in the SEC this year. It just hadn't everybody for the most part, all the teams' defense is way ahead of their offense. Yep. And, you know, there's been some clunkers out there. But, man, uh, to be this deep right now and to have eight teams projected to be in and Vanderbilt starting to creep up into the conversation, the storylines at the SEC tournament are, are going to be huge because uh, I mentioned Nick Smith, but all the bubble teams that you have, uh, there, there's uh, there, there's going to be a ton of teams with a ton to play for uh, to where even, you know, it, may, it might even be some of those Wednesday night games, which usually are the ones that nobody's paying attention to. But if a Mississippi State, for example, is is a Wednesday night team in that first round, but they have hopes, then uh, there's tournament teams everywhere. Dane, we're two blocks from the arena where the uh, tournament's taking place. We'll have to get you in studio when you're in town. I'll, I'll shoot you a text. That'd be great, man. Hopefully I uh, know off-the-court breaking news before <laughs> yeah. that interview request. No but, doubt. Vote yeah, up no. on all your legal knowledge before you get here. We'll, we'll have a full test for you when you come on. I'm kidding. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk basketball the whole time. All right. Good talking with you guys. Yeah, man. Good seeing you, Dane. Good to Thanks, you man. Show again. Dane Bradshaw there, SEC Network analyst, will be on the call for Tennessee-South Carolina this coming weekend. Of course, Tennessee and A&M um, coming up. And we've got some other news on the other side of our break. We've got an update from the judge in the Darius Miles case involving Brandon Miller from earlier in the show. That's next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Putting with row with you. Sixth and Peabody, our location, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. The judge has denied bond in the Darius Miles case, and it will now go before a grand jury. So that case progresses. That is not uncommon in a capital murder case, right. to my understanding. Yes. To what limited knowledge I have about the court system, I know that that is not uncommon. And then from there, we'll see if it will proceed to trial uh, based on the preliminary hearing that took place today and then what will be presented in front of the grand jury. Um, 
Look, I, I I understand Dane when he says like we need to hear more of Brandon Miller's side, and we need to hear better things from Nate Oates and a better explanation mm-hmm. and more from here. I I agree with all that. It's just real difficult for me to get past. This guy was sent a text to bring a gun late at night somewhere, brought the gun, and that gun was used to kill somebody, to kill a single mom. I I can't get past those facts of the case. Yeah. Whatever. I Same. don't. Yeah. I don't know what. What st- what would the defense be that anyone you know called and said, I need my gun right now, and you bring that gun to that person, and that gun is used in a murder, where you come back and say, oh, I didn't know anything bad could possibly happen with that gun that was requested or late what at night to be was. brought back to me, or that the intent was bad. Yeah, I- You know the intent is not good, right? This is not a 9 a.m., hey, you use my gun to go skeet shoot, Right. And I need it back because I'm going to go shoot at the range today type text for a gun. So I don't th- – there's going to have to be a lot of convincing slash realistic talking about what happened in all this for me to change my stance on Brandon Miller's got to go. Anyone involved with this has got to go. I'm not going to go as far as say Nate Oates should be fired. But I do think, and Dane even said it, Nate Oates stepped in it with what his comments were, and he should have been way more prepared – if this was going to be their stance all along, and knowing known, about this, and they've known about it, they've known about it for over a month now. Mm-hmm. That they were just going to ride this out and let him play. How are you not more prepared for an answer to a question about it than what he said today? Well, and the details not just from from Alabama, but you know, the, it's clear that law enforcement's also okay with whatever Brandon Miller's story was, and that needs to be conveyed to everyone now because the questions are going to start pouring in based on the preliminary hearing, the details that came out today from law enforcement and their testimony. Chad, a Duke fan, created a, a, a fake Tinder account and then catfished Kamari Land from Louisville and then printed out the oh, DMs no. from or, or oh, the, no. the Tinder chat oh, on poster no. and presented it at the game, the sign of the student section. It features the, the screenshots of the conversation from the fake Tinder account. That is putting in, it's putting a in the lot work. of effort. That's next level. I love the, the smiling face on the like kid, got, too. Like your, he's got the, like the address on here of, of land of, of I mean, much more. The kid is so proud of himself. They're smiling ear to ear as he shows off the DMs, which is pretty funny. <laughs> we had Dan Dockich on yesterday, and he said he's tired of the lack of creativity at Indiana where the students just yeah. chant F whatever the team is. Yeah. And there's no creativity in that, and it's dumb. That took. And I mentioned the Dukies are known for getting creative. They do their research on the best players. They know exactly what the, the weaknesses are. They know girlfriend <laughs> issues. They know everything about it. It's everyone's weakness. And this is, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Since the dawn of time, it's been uh, everybody's weakness. But they know exactly what the issues are, and then they attack it. This is creating an issue for an opposing player. Now, I wish he would have saved it for a team better than Louisville because they're well, god-awful. Makes me think, I think they've won three or four games all season. This makes me think there could be other accounts out there. Could be. Or other players out there that are responding to the would. same account. Four games. Yeah, Davey says they've won four. Louisville's won four games. I'd save it for like North Carolina on the road to end the season and get into that arena and then maybe bring out the DMs for one of their players. But, you know. Whatever. It still worked. I wonder how long, how much, at, at what point do you have to create the account in order to begin the catfishing? You know, like how many weeks, months 
Was this like before tip off? Was this? Well, we we talked to someone who's pretty famous, and they told us that, which is a pretty good way to go about it. That any any message you get from a really attractive female, that out of the blue, you just you you believe it's fake. Automatically, like if you go automatic into this is fake, someone's trying to catfish me or trap me. So that's a good way to think about it. When you just get like you got to really do your research to make sure this person's real mm-hmm. and actually asking you a question and not trying to trap you. So do you think like this, that's a pretty good way to go about it? You would go. You would use like a seven out of a ten instead of a ten out of a ten in terms of attractiveness in order to catfish. Said I mean, player. that's next level to say I'm not going to put the hottest girl in this profile. Just someone within this to, guy's I range. Mean, I mean, the team does have four wins. That's it after all. So she can't be a ten. Got to be more like a six or seven that I'm going to put on the screen. You can join us at 3, 3 o'clock Eastern tomorrow for Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network.